Hello, everyone, and welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm your host for this portion of today's show, Wyatt Krieger, and I am joined by a very special guest in Lucas Tomei, a senior staff writer for the Daily Tar Heel, and Lucas is coming on to preview this week's game between number 10 North Carolina and Virginia Tech in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium, Friday Night Lights. Lucas, thank you for joining me, man. Thank you for having me, Wyatt. Yeah, so my first question is about this, just the excitement level. I mean, I, I heard Kirk Herbstreit in an interview this week. Uh, he said that he doesn't think he, he's ever looked forward to a season more than he has this one right now. And I feel the same way as a whole. Is that how you're feeling about this college football season with fans coming back and packed stands? Yeah, the the energy really is just uh, through the roof, especially – you know, if, if you just have a, a thermometer around Chapel mm-hmm. Hill, you know, students are really excited. Um, there, there's a lot of hype around UNC football, um, perhaps even more so than for the basketball team this year, which is really uncommon around here. Yeah. So I know students are really excited. Uh, they're excited to get back into Keenan Stadium here in full capacity. And uh, yeah, the excitement is just really it can be felt everywhere. That's awesome. Same here. It's, it's almost this weird anxiety, nervousness that always comes around football season, but this year it's different. So I wanted to start with last year's game between the Tar Heels and the Hokies. North Carolina won 56 to 45. It was an absolute shootout, but we had Michael Carter and Javante Williams leading a rushing attack that ran for 399 yards, almost 400 yards <clears throat> and two touchdowns. And then you had Deami Brown and Daz Newsom combining for over 150 receiving yards and three touchdowns. But all four of those guys are in the NFL now. So who kind of sticks out to you as guys that are going to be filling out those positions? I know there's a transfer running back from Tennessee, but who are some wide receivers and running backs that we need to look out for on Friday? Yeah, well, that's the huge question. And Mm -hmm. in a press conference on Monday, Mac Brown said his biggest question mark going into this game was how are we going to replace 4,000 yards of offense that we lost? Um, so some names you're going to look uh, to on the wide receiver side. There is Coffey Brown, who is the younger brother of Deami Brown. Uh, then you have uh, Emery Simmons and Josh Downs, and all three of those guys are uh, looking to kind of step into those uh, big shoes this season. Some of them got some reps in the Orange Bowl. and um, But really, especially for the wide receiver, uh, and you're not going to see who's, you know, solidified as, you know, the 1A option, 1B option in, until really those games start happening. Um, of course, they are luckily, lucky to be backed up by, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the nation in Sam Howell. And Sam is someone that can probably make uh, a wide receiver better on the field. Definitely. Um, so they're they're lucky to have a weapon under center like Sam. Uh, on the running back side, uh, it's really wide open. You know, Mike Mike Carter and Javante uh, Williams were almost like unprecedented in their mm-hmm. uh, kind of chemistry and duo last year. Um, and when they left, we, we were losing a, a whole lot of experience. Uh, that's why um, Coach Brown looked to Ty Chandler from Tennessee. He's going to be a graduate transfer. Um, and it's assumed that Ty Chandler is going to be 
uh, the lead back going into Friday. In his press conference, he also said two other running backs were uh, they were expecting to play early, and that is uh, Caleb Hood, who's a freshman, and then DJ Jones, who's a sophomore, and he only saw 11 snaps last year. So there's a huge disparity between the experience of uh, Ty Chandler and those other two backs. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, you're just really going to see play out on Friday, probably. Uh, you know, Ty Chandler is probably going to be leading this very inexperienced running backs room. Um, so there, there's a whole lot of weapons, but uh, not a whole lot of established players for UNC. And that's, that's something that they're going to have to see uh, play out. Yes, you mentioned Coffrey Brown. And when I was on Hokie Twitter this morning, some people were mentioning because the depth charts came in yesterday that Coffrey Brown was behind Antoine Green, who's a senior on the depth chart. I wasn't sure if that if you think that is anything significant or if that's something you think Coffrey Brown's just going to have to kind of earn his reps as the season goes on. Or do you see him being more, more of a focus in that offense on Friday? Um. You know, like, like I said, we're not going to, you know, be exactly sure who's going to be at the top of the pecking order in Bill Longo's offense. Um, but, you know, all things sort of indicate that uh, Coffrey Brown will be a, you know, significant part of the UNC offense in one way or the other. Um, just his relationship to the other uh, pass catchers is sort of yet to be seen. Got you. All right. Good to hear. Um, so... North Carolina, another strength of the Tar Heels is that, is that offensive line. And I think one of the biggest things Virginia Tech needs to do to win is just controlling that line of scrimmage, especially on the defensive side and, you know, winning in the trenches, all of that good stuff. But do you see UNC's O-line having similar dominance on Friday that they did last year? Uh, because VT's front seven is improved. There are some players that might grab some people's attention, but it's not the same continuity and experience that that UNC O-line has. Yeah, UNC is returning, you know, all five of its O-line starters from last year. And, you know, that's that's huge, uh, especially for Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mac Brown also emphasized, uh, you know, increasing the, the depth of the O-line unit from last year. Uh, he was worried about uh, just the amount of snaps that some of those guys were getting. And he seemed to indicate that there will be, uh, you know, more time split between the O-line uh, starters and some other guys coming off the bench. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a really big deal for Sam Howell, especially, who's probably one of his biggest criticisms over the past two years is that he can tend to hold onto the ball for too long. Yeah. So, you know, the more time he has in the pocket uh, should lead to more success from him. Yeah, so you talked about that. How does VT or how does Virginia Tech slow down Sam Howell? Is it is it collapsing that pocket? Is it getting pressure on him? Because my biggest question mark is how we're going to be able to do that because he's just so talented. He slings the ball around, gets the ball out quick. Um, obviously, he does hold on to the ball sometimes, but he has a quick release and is very accurate, obviously. Um, I love some of our starting defensive backs last in that game last year. Our secondary is very depleted with COVID issues. Um, and I think our starting corners should be fantastic this year, but what do they, what does Virginia Tech really have to key in on to kind of slow Sam Howell down? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the the precedent for the last two seasons, uh, the more pressure they can put on Sam Howell, the better. Uh, he does have, you know, some legs on him, but he's not, you know, an, an incredibly quick or shifty quarterback. And, you know, sacks were probably, if you ask, uh, you know, Coach Brown or Phil Longo, sacks were probably one of the biggest issues uh, that the team had last year. Um, so I think if VT's front seven really just, you know, puts the pressure on, you know, the O-line, tries to collapse that pocket, put pressure on Sam Howell, that can uh, potentially rattle him. Mm-hmm. And definitely that home field, home field advantage, I think, will be huge this year. Just not just this weekend, not just Friday in, in the North Carolina game, but I think just throughout all of college football, I think the home field advantage is going to be insane. Um, but one thing a lot of people at Virginia Tech are saying that we need to do to win is our receivers. We need our receivers to get separation off of what a lot of people think is going to be a lot of press coverage against North Carolina. So what can you tell us about those North Carolina defensive backs? Um, I believe one of your starting corners is someone who Tech went after a lot. And I don't know, I've just been hearing a lot about these, this North Carolina cornerback room and how good they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, first off, someone that lots of people are expecting to make a huge drop, jump is sophomore Tony Grimes. He came in last year uh, really in what would have been his senior year of high school. And, you know, obviously it took him a little time to get acclimated to the college football scene. Uh, uh, but by the end of the season, he had some some really impressive games. He is just insanely quick, insanely athletic, insanely vertical uh, mm. corner uh, that really lots of people think is he's going to turn into a star. So he may be uh, the highlight of uh, UNC's uh, secondary. You also have, um, I'm sorry, you also have Storm Duck, who is not only he's more than just a great football name, he is also someone name. that people are looking <laughs> to uh, to make a big jump this year. So there are definitely, uh, you know, lots of corners in uh, UNC's pocket that uh, are looking to make a big impact this season. That's awesome. So we talked about the O-line, we talked about the corners, some of the skill positions. Are there any other players that aren't really maybe on everyone's radar that we should be looking out for? Any guys that you uh, have followed throughout this offseason that you think could be really good? Because obviously we, we don't know. We won't know until the games actually get played, but there's a, this, is, this time of the year is always about projection and just seeing where guys are at in the training camp. So are, are there any guys that are catching, that maybe that there's a lot of buzz around this year? Uh, two guys that I wanted to highlight, uh, especially were Jeremiah Gemmel and Tamon Fox, two linebackers from uh, UNC's defensive unit. Uh, Gemmel's going to be a senior. Tamon Fox is going to be a fifth year. They are two very, very experienced guys. And, uh, you know, Chaz Surratt was a huge defensive star on the team last year, and uh, they lost him to the, the NFL draft. So some people were kind of writing off uh, UNC's uh, linebacker cores, you know, not going to be as quite as good as they were last year. But Gemmel was really an, uh, an impressive linebacker next to 
next to Surratt uh, last season. And Tamon Fox just has uh, incredible experience in the field. So I think mm. those two vets are really going to uh, help shore up uh, a defense that lost one of its, you know, best defensive stars in a while. Yeah, that's really interesting. So my final two questions for you, the first being, can you give me a bold prediction for this game on Friday? I'm not sure how bold this is if you're a Virginia Tech fan listening to this, but I think this is going to be a very, very close, uh, you know, game that's going to come down really to the wire. Mm -hmm. Um, Playing in Lane Stadium is absolutely no joke, especially, uh, you know, tickets are sold out if I'm not mistaken. And that atmosphere is, is, you know, no team wants to be playing at Lane Stadium to a sold-out crowd for their season opener. Um, And UNC and Virginia Tech historically have always played super close games. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they went to that six-overtime game, if if I'm not mistaken, two seasons ago. And even in Chapel Hill, uh, you know, that was was a pretty close game, that shootout. Um, So, you know, if UNC goes to start the season 0-1, I won't be surprised, you know, it's, this is a really, really tough matchup for the Tar Heels, despite their number 10 preseason ranking, despite, you know, the buzz around Sam Howell, despite, you know, all the hype that's surrounding them. This is not a gimme in any, in any, you know, sense of the word. Yeah, I definitely am with you there. And I think a lot of Virginia Tech fans are too, that it's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to, I think it's going to go down the wire. One thing that does concern me is, Virginia Tech has come out in a lot of these home games, these these big, highly anticipated home games. They've come out somewhat flat, and a lot of people are starting to think just that the, the fact that we have Enter Sandman and all of that hype, it really kind of drains some of the energy that you that you kind of need to have for the game. So I don't know. I think I think the players will be able to control that. I think Enter Sandman is going to be incredible. Lane Sam is going to be an incredible atmosphere on Friday. But do you have a game prediction or can I get a score score prediction from you? Man, I think it's I'm going to say it's going to be 35-28 UNC. Wow. wow, so they're cover you got them covering the spread. I do. I I I believe in this offense. I know we had all this talk about the questions surrounding it i i do believe in this offense and i do believe in sam Howell. i think we're gonna i think we have the the potential to put 35 points up on the board in blacksburg mm-hmm. hey i could see that happening my my predictions pretty similar i had i had 31 28 unc penciled in um but we will see lucas tome thank you for joining me on the 3304 sports podcast really excited for this season really excited for friday and good luck to you man for uh, just everything covering the season. And then hopefully we can get you back on for some basketball coverage uh, in the winter too. Absolutely. Thanks to you, Wyatt. All right, man. Appreciate you for coming on. Thank you.
Welcome into the second half of this special 3304 Sports Podcast football preview. We've got the first game of Virginia Tech season coming up against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, Colbert Bergstrom and I are, are welcoming in Carter Hill. He is 3304 Sports' own uh, writer for covering Virginia Tech football. Carter, welcome in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming in. So, Carter, I just kind of want to get down, uh, get down to work here. So earlier we had uh, Wyatt Krieger and uh, Lucas Tomei from the Daily Tar Heel on. They were talking about the UNC side of this football game. We were bringing you on here, uh, asking you a couple of questions to preview the Virginia Tech side of things. So Carter, I just want to start off and I want to flash back to last year a little bit. How much is last year's 56 to 45 loss uh, weighing on this team? Yeah, you know, I said it earlier. I think it's one of those where, you know, you you don't forget about something like that, but you also don't, you know, you don't have amnesia. So yeah, you're going to remember something like that. Last year's game, I look at it and obviously it's going to count. Obviously it's, you know, you tip your cap, North Carolina ran all over Virginia Tech in, in route to a 56 to 45 win. Virginia Tech also had pretty much your entire defense out that game. If you remember, I, I believe, I think nine of their 11 starters, were out because of COVID. And then you had the second and third string guys that were out as well. Tyler Matheny was starting. You had Alan Tisdale play some safety. So I think it's going to, I think actually that's going to help them a little bit because if you think about last year, I don't know if Virginia Tech, you know, thinks they got a fair shot. I think more for the Hokies, maybe it's not necessarily thinking back to last year. It's more thinking about all the hype that surrounds North Carolina football versus, you know, what's going on with Virginia Tech football, two programs that are in complete opposite trajectories. North Carolina obviously has been recruiting fantastically since Mac Brown got here. Virginia Tech has had some, has some weaker recruiting classes, a little bit on the rise right now, but it's, it's different, different trajectories there for sure. And then on the field as well, North Carolina hasn't proved a ton on the field, but I mean, they have a Heisman contender at quarterback last year. They, I believe they were eight and four and, yeah, I mean, they won that game versus Virginia Tech. the first game Justin Puente ever lost to North Carolina. So, yeah, I, I think it lingers for sure, but I think it's more about the the, the program momentum more than anything. And, and these players understand, you know, what the fans are upset about. The, they understand, you know, what 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 they what the nation perceives as Virginia Tech football right now and what, what the nation perceives as North Carolina football right now. And, and I think they want to be able to prove themselves more as Virginia Tech football and maybe that we still, you know, Virginia Tech still owns North Carolina football rather than maybe just last year's results. Yeah, and I mean, even keeping a little bit of mind with uh, last year, uh, obviously you had some big players uh, from that UNC offense from last year uh, leaving for the NFL draft, um, the seniority or being able to go. Um, one of them in which wishing all the best to him, like Daz Newsom, who I think recently hit waivers from Chicago. Uh, and then you have Diami Brown, uh, who is with Washington, Michael Carter, who's with the New York Jets. And then you also got uh, Javante Williams with uh, Denver, so on and so forth. So, um, whereas on the other hand, Virginia Tech has a lot of their guys returning other than Hooker, who transferred to uh, Tennessee. And then you have Khalil Herbert, who is now also in Chicago. Um, what do you think that this is going to, what do you think Brad Cornelson is going to hope to do with those skill players against UNC um, and further into the season? But then on top of that, do you think losing that many skill players is going to be huge for UNC uh, right out the gate? I think it's bigger than people are perceiving it as. Anytime you lose two receivers, 
of that magnitude, let alone that magnitude plus the combo of them together. Same in the backfield with Michael Carter and Javante Williams leaving. That's, that's a pretty big deal. You don't replace that overnight. People forget North Carolina isn't Clemson or Alabama. They've recruited well, but they haven't recruited well enough to, to bring in guys to immediately replace that type of production. They soften the blow a little bit, bringing in Ty Chandler from Tennessee, and, and they have some good receivers that they've recruited. Josh, uh, Josh Downs, Emory Simmons, Caffrey Brown, who's Diami's younger brother. They've recruited well there. So, yes, they've softened the blow, but those are four huge losses. Sam Howell, you know, keep in mind, he doesn't have his top receiver in this game either. Bo Corrales is going to be out. So when you lose that type of production, I think that weighs pretty heavily. And I, I think some of the national media, you know, is ignoring that type of loss and uh, production. And, and it's no secret that they're losing that. I mean, you can look at North Carolina in the bowl game last year against Texas A&M. That's pretty much who, were there, who they were putting out there in that game because I believe all four of those guys opted out of the bowl game. So, or actually, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the two receivers did not opt out. But for the most part, most of those guys weren't available in the bowl game. So you got a little bit of a glimpse of some of the newcomers. But, but overall, I mean, it's so hard to replace that type of production. North Carolina, you know, they, they do some funny things offensively. I think bringing all these new guys into the fold, it should be interesting how they – you know, how, how they target those guys. I mean, Sam Howell is going to throw the football. You have to know that. Virginia Tech's going to know that. So they're going to match up against those receivers and try to pick out points, uh, you know, film from from last year at certain certain instances and, and that bowl game. So, yeah, I mean, you just don't replace that production overnight. And I think that's what some of the national media is, you know, ignoring when it comes to, you know, how highly they're ranking North Carolina or what they're thinking of North Carolina. And some of it's fair, but I think some of it, you know, is a little bit overlooked when, in, in terms of who North Carolina really did lose offensively. And on the, on the Virginia Tech side, because I, I think you were talking about Khalil Herbert and everything. I was talking about it on my podcast this morning. I'm going to look at the quarterback position. Braxton Burmeister has now got the keys. If you look at last year and really look at the trend of Hendon Hooker versus Braxton Burmeister and who was playing when, I think Justin Fuente finally has found his guy at quarterback for Virginia Tech. He said at ACC Media Day, which, by the way, I didn't touch on your last question. He, he did call North Carolina Virginia Tech a rivalry, so that's probably in their minds as well. But anyway, back to, back to the point. So at Media Day, he was talking about, you know, this is the best he's ever felt about the passing game at Virginia Tech. And I'm thinking, really? Because you look at 2016 and Gerard Evans was here and and, yeah, you could argue, well, look at the receiving core this year. Well, look at the receiving core in six. Too. They had Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips, Bucky Hodges. A lot of those guys were pure stars at Tech. Maybe Trey Turner's a star, but Tavion Robinson, very good. And James Mitchell, who's first-round pick, and you know, he's he's up there as well. And he'll be a higher pick than all those guys. But because in my opinion, at least, and I think a lot of the fan base's opinions as well, just looking on Twitter and everything, if you can even trust Twitter in that instance. But in that instance, I think Virginia Tech possessed more stars in 16 and was a similar type of team than they are in 21. But back to my point about Burmeister versus Hooker. I mean, look back last year, Hendon Hooker missed what the most of all camp. He had his, he had an undisclosed medical reason why his camp it's, it's still, you know, up in the air, whether or not he did test positive for COVID. There's been some rumors that he had that had not been that, that never was confirmed. But anyway, Braxton Burmeister started off the season 
And eventually Hooker took over, took over for a little bit. That's right when Braxton Burmeister, if you remember, an offensive lineman stepped on his toes and broke, I think, two or three of his toes. And so that kind of kind of kept him on the sideline for a while. And then immediately when Burmeister was healthy and Hooker began to struggle, he immediately pulled the trigger and, and brought Braxton back in the game against Clemson. And if you remember that in that Clemson game, Hendon Hooker only he only he only trotted out there for one drive before Burmeister went down with an injury. And that, that was that UNC game, right? That was the UNC game that well, Burmeister started that game and then they benched him for Hooker. And, and then Hooker got brought in like second half. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. They brought him in the second half. And then the Clemson game, Hooker started, played one series, Burmeister came in and then got hurt. They brought Hooker back in. He got well, he had his issue, and then Knox Kingdom came in, in the game. UBA, it was all near whether or not Hendon Hooker was going to play or was it going to be Braxton Burmeister or where were both of them going to play in, in certain situations in the game. And Braxton Burmeister took every single snap of that game. So if you look back historically, too, when Justin Fuente has had his guy quarterback, and, and when I had uh, Mike McDaniel earlier on today on our podcast, he said the same thing. It's turned out to be a pretty good season for the Hokies. 16, Gerard Evans, obviously, was Fuente's best year. 17, Josh Jackson's redshirt freshman season had a lot of weapons around him. That was a very good season, 9-4 and four with a loss to Oklahoma State. 18, Jackson went down. Ryan Willis came in. 18 happened. 19, start off with Ryan Willis, transitioned to Hendon Hooker. Quincy Patterson got some action as well. And then 20, obviously, we just talked about what happened there. So Justin Fuente's finally got his guy at quarterback. And if Braxton Burmeister stays healthy, I think they got something there uh, in terms of what they're going to do offensively. Uh, and then continue to look at some of those Virginia Tech weapons, weapons as well. Obviously, we lost Khalil Herbert this offseason. Um, what, what do you think Brad Cornelson is going to plan to do with the, the skilled players that we currently have, retaining a lot of them, as you're mentioning, James Mitchell, Tavion Robinson, uh, Trey Turner? Um, what do you think that Cornelson is going to have planned for them, not only for this UNC game, but further into the season? And also kind of tally onto that, specifically looking at that running back position, uh, do you think it's going to kind of be just a three-headed monster throughout the season, or is it going to be uh, one, one guy's going to break through from the rest? Uh, do, do you think that's what Virginia Tech's going to look for? Well, Virginia Tech's going to throw the ball. That's, that's no secret with the, the weapons they have. And, and back to the, you know, the quote that Fuente talked about at media day about how he's, he feels the best about the passing game as good as good about the passing game as he he's ever has since he's been here and when you got a guy like James Mitchell you have to target him I mean there isn't a guy in my opinion looking across college football that is anything like James Mitchell you've heard the comparison all the time James Mitchell and Kyle Pitts I think it's spot on if Burmeister can target James Mitchell and get him the ball they're going to be good there that's how they're going to utilize him same with Trey Turner they're going to throw the ball to Trey Turner he's going to get a lot of reps as well Tavion Robinson I think you're going to see him in the fold as well. Jaden Payu, if you remember last year, had an ankle injury and was pretty much, I think he missed all, yeah, he missed all the season, missed, missed the entirety of the season. He's going to be another weapon. Caleb Smith was actually on the depth chart above him, so you got to think they're going to get him involved. Virginia Tech's going to get all those guys involved. I, I would like to see James Mitchell targeted the most, but I also want to see him utilized the most in terms of blocking downfield and whether you're a fan of a jet sweep or not in, in the jet sweeps, they're, they're obviously going to use Trey Turner. They're obviously going to use. They're, they're good with it. Yeah, they they, love their jet sweeps. Absolutely. Yeah. Their, their receiver room is actually in pretty good shape. Their receiver room is. Oh, yeah. 
Shanga Hodge, he was going to contribute, I think, the transfer from Villanova. He ends up tearing his ACL, I believe. So I, I think he's sidelined for a while, obviously, with an ACL injury. So they're going to utilize their receivers a lot. Running back-wise, you said they're going to use – you asked if they're going to use a three-headed monster. I don't know if they're going to use a three-headed monster. I think, actually, you're going to – I actually was listening to the Tech Sideline podcast the other day, and they mentioned – I think you may see Raheem Blackshear and Jalen Holston maybe play the very first snap. They may be in the game at the same time uh, is what I'm trying to say, that first snap against Carolina. And maybe that's the case throughout the season. I, I, I think Jalen Holston may, got, may be the guy you see, you know, take, take the most carries. Raheem Blackshear is going to play as well. But he also can play in the slot. So if they can if they can throw him the ball too, you can easily have both those guys on the field, and you have a have a you know a, a, a double threat in the in the running game because you can use both of them at any, any time. You can throw the ball to Raheem Blackshear. I think you're going to see Jalen Holston get a lot of the carries just by the feeling that I got from Justin Fuente throughout his press conferences. But I think it's pretty equal between him and Raheem Blackshear. If you watch Raheem Blackshear's highlights of Rutgers. He was supposed to be what, what Khalil Herbert was last year, if you remember correctly. So if he can get to that level, I don't know if he's going to get to that level. I'm not trying to put those expectations on him. Obviously, he's going to play. They're both going to play. They're both going to run the ball. They're going to throw the ball to Raheem Blackshear or something, too. That's why I'm saying you may see a lot of Jalen Holst in the back row as well. Keyshawn King's interesting. I think he's an explosive back. I, don't, I, I forget how much weight he's added in the offseason. If you remember last year, really skinny dude, really skinny guy. That's kind of what kept him off the field. He is going to be their kick returner this year. So you're going to see some of them there. I think it's mostly going to be Blackshear and Jalen Holston with Blackshear maybe doing a little bit more than running the ball rather than Keyshawn King. I think those are the two you're going to see more than anything. All right, let's move uh, to the UNC side just a little bit. Um, not so much, but maybe a, a quarterback comparison. So obviously Sam Howell is the most talked about NFL prospect in this game. Uh, mock drafts have him up in the top two, up in the top one. Clear uh, Heisman, uh, high odds for him. There's Heisman buzz for Sam Howell. But on the Hokie side, they have a quarterback that uh, their staff has been hyping up. You've already mentioned Braxton Burmeister being Fuente's guy. Uh, behind him, the depth doesn't look that great, but they've really um, talked up Burmeister's athleticism this offseason. Uh, how do you think he's going to be utilized in the offense? Well, I, like I said, I, I think he's going to throw the ball to a lot of his weapons, but I also think you're going to see him run the ball a lot as well. He came in as a, as a running quarterback, and that's what he did. That's what he did well last year. I mean, he towards the end of the season, he, he got better in the passing game, but kind of last year, I, I don't know how much he's developed in the passing game. Obviously, it's it's going to have to be a lot for Virginia Tech to be pretty good. And, or I shouldn't say a lot because he, he was fairly decent last year, but I would think he's, he, he has developed there. I think he'll be better in the passing game. As far as running the ball, like I said, he came in from Oregon as a guy that's going to be a threat on the ground. And I think back to your, your, your question about running backs for Virginia Tech, it wouldn't shock me if Braxton Burmeister's running the ball close to as much as Raheem Blackshear or Jalen Holston's going to run the ball because he, he can run the football. I mean, what fastest guy on the team, according to GPS? I mean, who knows if that's 100% accurate, but you get the point that he's, 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 he's a pretty fast guy. Uh, I, as far as throwing the ball, I, I look back last year to before the half against Carolina, uh, 
believe it was a fourth and three, and we threw the ball down, or Virginia Tech threw the ball, I'm sorry, down 28 to 14, and incomplete pass, and Carolina went down the field and scored before half to make it 35 to 14. Could have been the nail in the coffin, Tech came back a little bit, but 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 that was that was pretty much it. So I, I would think that you're, you're gonna see some situations like that where now you maybe will see Braxton Burmeister throw the ball, you're going to see him run the ball as well. I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm right with you. Like I'm, I'm curious to see, that's a question I have too. I'm really curious to see how much he is going to, to run the football, how much he's going to use his legs versus how much he's going to put in the air. Cause we all know he's going to throw the ball with those, with those receivers. We know he's going to throw the ball. I'm curious to see how much he mixes in the running game, especially with the guys he's going to have in the backfield. So I'm right with you. I, I, I really am curious about that as well, but I, I'm going to look for him to kind of to use both to his advantage and, and we'll see uh, how much he ends up uh, using both at the end of the day. Sure, sure. All right, you already mentioned Justin Fuente's uh, previous press conferences. You mentioned how you were listening in on those. Uh, at, I believe the most recent press conference, he made comments going back to last year's game about the physicality of UNC's defensive backs and uh, linebacker Dax Hollifield also mentioned that for some guys in Tech's locker room, UNC is becoming as big a rival as UVA. Uh, what can you speak to on that? What do you think that the attitude is of those players going into this week? I don't think they like North Carolina, and I think that's pretty obvious. I don't think that's ever been – I think that's always been the case, that they just have not liked North Carolina. That game is always fun. It's always physical. As far as the rivalry portion of it that you're talking about, yeah, I would have to agree with them. I still consider Virginia, Virginia Tech's rival, obviously got the cup, obviously it's the in-state type of game, but that's a, that's a pretty good, it's a, it's a pretty big recruiting battle between Virginia Tech and North Carolina that's always going on. I actually do consider UNC to be Tech's biggest recruiting rival because they've gone into Virginia, they've gone into with their cornerbacks coach Dre Blyce from, from Virginia Beach, I believe, either Virginia Beach or Chesapeake, that area, and He's coming to the 757, the Tidewater area, to Williamsburg, Newport News, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk, and has come in and has gotten a lot of guys that Tech probably would have gotten 10 years ago in the Beamer days. And Virginia Tech, quite frankly, you know, they don't, they're not given a ton of credit with how they've recruited, and that's, that's fair. And Carolina has been given a ton of credit, and that's fair as well. But you look at a lot of Virginia Tech's you know, top production, it's from guys that are from North Carolina maybe not necessarily on this year's team, but if you look back at Fuente's tenure, you're going to see a lot. This year's team, I'll, I'll start there. Trey Turner, he's from Greensboro. Last year's team, you can look back. Caleb Farley, he's from outside of Charlotte. Uh, Hennon Hooker, he's from Greensboro. Caleb Farley, I mentioned Caleb Farley, he's from right outside of Charlotte. Dax Hollifield is who I was thinking of. He's from right outside of Charlotte as well, from, from Shelby, and obviously his younger brother, Jack, who's on the offensive line and may, may play some tight end. He's from North Carolina as well. So both teams have done – well, North Carolina has done the, a better job recently building a fence around the state of North Carolina and has extended that fence into the Tidewater area. As far as Virginia Tech goes, they're going to want to – in order to get back to where Virginia Tech wants to be, they need to be winning some of those recruiting battles against North Carolina in that area, the, in that area of the state, in that area of the country. They've done a decent job, you know, stealing a couple of those guys out of – out of you know the Greensboro and Charlotte area, you can go back even further in the Fuente days. Adonis Alexander, although he was a Beamer guy, he's from Charlotte. Luke Reynolds, he's from Greensboro. I believe he was a Beamer guy as well. But throughout the Fuente tenure, he's always gone in and got a couple couple big pieces from those two areas, and 
and, and North Carolina has obviously continued to go into not even just 757. I mean, they're, you look at like they're recruiting guys from Lynchburg and Northern Virginia and, and, and so, yeah, I, I think it's their biggest recruiting rival for sure uh, to, to Dax's point. As far as Justin Fuente's comments about, can you remind me what your question was about that? I'm sorry. He brought up the physicality of the defensive backs last year. I think one of his quotes was that one of his guys were getting manhandled out there or something like that, getting their heads torn off. Uh, I, I think that there was some shade towards officiating in last year's game, maybe not pass interference calls not being made, what have you. Uh, but yeah, that, that was what he was talking about. Okay, so physicality-wise, I mean, they're going to have to be prepared for that again this year. I mean, Carolina brings back 10 of their 11 starters defensively, minus Chaz Surratt, who left for the NFL draft, and rightfully so. Great story, by the way. Started as a quarterback, transitioned in the Mac Brown days to a linebacker, one of the better linebackers in the country. But anyway, back to the defense. They're going to be dealing with the same thing, and they know it, and I think they're looking forward to it. I, I, I think I think this team badly wants to beat North Carolina, and I think they feel it more than than, than may, maybe maybe they feel it more than UNC does, but if even if you look at you know the writing of the wall, writing on the wall in terms of the North Carolina football program, look on their Twitter page and go back two or three days and, and look at their game uh, game trailer poster. They have North Carolina football in the Metallica font. Look back to 2019 at the at the intro at the what was I'm, I'm trying to think who posted it. Maybe it was Tech Sideline. Maybe it was the key play. There was somebody who posted. Anyone out there like who has not seen it, you need to go watch it on YouTube. Look up VTUNC 2019 inner Sandman, and there's a five-minute clip from someone from midfield that films the entirety of, of, of inner Sandman, the entirety of the Let's Go Hokey Shan, the entirety of the coin toss. North Carolina is already on the field, moving or shifting towards midfield, jumping up and down inner Sandman. Go back to July, North Carolina's blasting inner Sandman in their indoor practice facility. It's a common thing. But yeah, there's definitely some extra beef. There's always some talking back to the whole, you know, guys from Virginia, guys from North North, North Carolina. They know each other. So that's what makes it an even bigger rivalry. Daz Newsom was from Hampton. If you remember how Daz Newsom played against Virginia Tech, go back to any of his highlight clips and you'll see anytime that he makes a catch over or on top of somebody, he gets up and lets them know because it's a big game for him. From Hampton, his brother played at Virginia Tech. And that, I mean, you look up and down the roster, there's a lot of those type of guys. So it's going to be a physical, physical game. It's going to be chippy, in my opinion. I think there's going to be a couple personal fouls, maybe some pushing and shoving, and that's natural in a way with the season opener. Guys are ready to to to, to hit someone on another team. So I, I think it's going to be a chippy game. I think it's going to be physical, and I think both teams recognize that for sure, which makes it fun. Uh, sticking with the defense, and actually specifically sticking with Dax Hallfield, um, he actually also talked about recently that despite how good Sam Howell is. Um, I, he, he kind of highlighted as maybe the main priority for Virginia Tech being to stop the run, given the fact that when we matched up last year, they were a yard shy of getting 400 on our defense. Um, so what adjustments do you think Justin Hamilton is going to make uh, now going to his second year as a DC specifically for this game to stop that from happening? Well, they are going to be facing a different running back. So different type of style, type of running back. Javante Williams, more of a power back type of guy. Michael Carter's a speedster. Ty Chandler, I see a little bit in the middle. I don't think Ty Chandler's in that same ballpark as those two, but obviously I, I, it's going to be interesting how he adjusts. I think, I, I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of pressure on Sam Howell, try to force him to, to throw the ball 
And, and maybe they suck the box. It's going to be interesting to see how they treat him. Ty Chandler is a guy who never really dominated at Tennessee. I believe he averaged maybe four yards to carry. So a little bit different type of running back than they're facing. But that's going to be in the back of their minds, back to your first question, uh, with, with how well Carolina ran the ball against him. And even, you know, Sam Howell, he would escape pressure and, and run all over them. That's going, to, that's, that's going to linger, I think, a little bit. Dax is a guy who's been around for a while. A lot of the guys in Texas defense were here last year, or at least watching at home if they had COVID or were in quarantine. And they saw it happen, and, and Carolina's probably going to attack them the same way because they see some deficiencies in Virginia Tech's defense that, that maybe some other teams had not at that point in the season, and they took advantage of it. And I think Carolina's going to test out a lot of those you know, same deficiencies, even though it may be some different guys on that side of the ball. So I think it's going to be – something that's going to be interesting to watch throughout the game to see how Virginia Tech uh, adjusts to how Carolina utilizes Ty Chandler, how much he's going to run the ball. I think they'll play off of that. I think early on you're going to see them load the box, try to get to Sam Howell, because I, I, I'm sure I'll get to it in a minute. But I, I think the defensive line for Virginia Tech is going to be what decides the game. I, I really do. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think if, if, if Virginia Tech's defensive line can get to Sam Howell, apply some pressure, they're going to have a really good shot to win the football game. If they don't, if they let Carolina run all over them again, that's obviously not going to turn out so well. I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how Carolina utilizes Chandler, like I just touched on, what they see in Virginia Tech's defense, and it's going to be interesting to see how, 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 how Tech approaches that, considering it's, a, it's an entire new running back room and, and what they've seen from him at Tennessee. Yeah, I love that. What, kind of what's sticking with the defense, the, the uh, kind of sticking with the defensive side of the ball here, you know, if I can talk. Um, I, I don't know if you got like a specific name for UNC that you want to highlight here, um, but specifically for Virginia Tech, um, is, is there any guys that you want to really highlight on the defensive side of the ball? Because, you know, we can talk all day about offense, but uh, are there any of those guys on the defensive side that we should be looking out for on Friday? I'm really excited to see Jordan Williams play. Because at this point, the big question is, is Jordan Williams a guy who left Clemson because he sat behind three first round caliber caliber players and just wasn't good enough to, to you know, crack some, crack some more time on the field in front of them? Or is he a guy who's just an average football player who is playing at Clemson? That's a question that I think will be answered in these next few weeks. I think he's the real deal. Just listening to Justin Puente, talk about him, looking at some of his film. He actually had, I believe, a sack and a half against Carolina last season. Uh, no, two seasons ago, I'm sorry. But he did have a sack and a half against Carolina, uh, against Sam Howell as well. So, And a lot of those same guys up front were, are, the, are the guys that he faced back then. So I'm really curious to see how he does. He's actually listed on the depth chart as a guy who's a co-starter with Narelle Pollard. I'm curious to see how much he's in the mix as well. That kind of surprised me a little bit. You can't really read into the two deeps as much in certain positions because they're all going to play and all going to move around. Defensively, I'm also going to look in the secondary. Tay Daly is not going to start. He's going to play. He's a transfer from Vanderbilt, a guy who I think has a, uh, has a shot to be a, a, a big contributor on the team and kind of you know, soften the, the blow of the loss of Divine Diablo. And then uh, Keontae Jenkins, who's starting in front of him. If you remember last year, had a couple big games for Tech. And a lot of those new guys, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how they fare, especially in the secondary. I'll, I'll stay on the secondary theme. And I know you asked me for one, but I'm, I'm going through a couple here because they're all kind of popping in my head. Well, good, man. 
Dorian's strong. I'm curious to see how much he developed in the offseason. Obviously, came out of nowhere, was an All-American guy who only had one offer from Delaware State, and which, by the way, awesome guy to talk to. He literally is the best guy to talk football on the, on the football team. And uh, so I, I'm looking forward to see, uh, looking forward to seeing how well he has progressed in the offseason because guys have – or teams have film on him now. Teams know what he's going to do. Teams know how he's going to attack you. So I think that will be interesting to see, at least game one, how, how, how much he has, you know, progressed from the Virginia game last season. Uh, Breon Murray, it should be interesting to see how much he gets some time on the field. Jermaine Waller, is he going to be healthy? Is he not healthy? He seems like he's one of those guys who he, – he did actually play in that Carolina game last year, got burnt twice bad by, by Daz Newsom, I believe. Wasn't completely healthy, but – He's a guy who has not been healthy probably since the middle of the 2019 season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, where he's at in terms of his physicality, in terms of his athleticism, you know, in terms of, you know, where he is, you know, from a football standpoint. Amari Barna is another guy up front that I am really excited to watch. A lot of guys, a lot of scouts are really, really high on him. And I'm curious to see if, if he can live up to the hype. Some other guys, the linebacker uh, position, linebacker group. Dax got COVID when he got back to Tech last year. Don't know if he missed a game, but was was a step behind. Is probably a good way to put it uh, in terms of last year. So I'm curious to see. You know, you know he's he's more back in his natural position. So is Alan Tisdale. Alan Tisdale lost a lot of weight after being out from COVID. I told you earlier he. Uh, some safety actually against Carolina. That's how thin they were. Gained 18 pounds in the offseason. He that that that's really, really big. I, I'm I'm curious to see how how much he utilizes that, how physical he's going to be. I think he's going to be a playmaker playmaker in that linebacker or that linebacker core as well. And then uh I mean even last year with with Rayshard Ashby, I know he's gone now, but he didn't have the year they wanted them to uh or they wanted him to and, and he didn't have the year that he wanted to. So that that linebacker group has has a lot to prove and especially after now a full off season, you know, spring ball, fall ball, I, I think they're in a lot better position. So I'm looking at that entire linebacker core, a couple guys up front, like I mentioned, and really the entire secondary, secondary as well. Here's another point that I, I want to talk about defensively. This is Justin Hamilton's second season as Tech's defensive coordinator, but it's the first time that he got, you know, a, a full spring or a full fall. And really last year, he didn't get either of them. Obviously, he didn't get the spring with COVID. And then in the fall, well, I mean, half the team was out with COVID, and then he tested positive for it, especially on the defensive side. So I want to see what type of adjustments he's made, how much he's going to utilize his weapons defensively now that he has something set in stone. And overall, it's going to be fun to watch, and and I'm I'm really curious uh, on how all those guys will perform, including Justin Hamilton. Carter, we want to thank you for coming in again today. Uh, one last thing before we get into our final game prediction. Uh, look, you mentioned the fan base very early on in this segment. Uh, and there is no secret that this fan base has mixed emotions when it comes to Justin Fuente's tenure here and the job security here at Virginia Tech. Uh, with that said, how much do you think this game's outcome has been weighing on Justin Fuente and his staff uh, as they prepare for kickoff? I mean, you've been in there, you've been in the press conferences, you've seen his mannerisms. How, how do you feel that their attitude is going into Friday night? I, I think they legitimately think they're going to win the football game. 
I don't think I've ever seen Justin Fuente so confident coming, you know, and this is my first year actually attending press conferences, but watching his press conferences for years and years, Justin Fuente was never a guy who, you know, would blow smoke. He was never a guy who would really, you know, individually praise guy after guy after guy. That happened a lot. And I, I, I think he legitimately think he thinks they're going to win the football game. I, I really do. And I, I, I think with him, as far as his job security, I mean, he won't admit it, but of course that's going to weigh on him. Like he, he's not stupid. He's not dumb. He knows what's going on. And obviously he knows more than probably the majority of the fan base does because him and Whit Babcock talk all the time, I'm sure. Uh, if not about that, more just about the football program and where it stands. So he kind of knows where he's at. Uh, but I, I think it's a huge game. And, and I don't know if he has the mindset of, I have to win this game or I'm gone, because I don't necessarily think that's the case. But I think this is one of those games where he's like, you know, if we win this game, I probably get a good portion of the fan base, or at least half of the fan base back on my side. I don't think he needs to win this game for his own job security, but I think he needs to win this game to win back a portion of the fan base. Some of the fan base may never be won back because they've turned so far on him. But if, if they were to win this game, I, I think this is that, that that's leaps and bounds. They have to be competitive though. And I don't, I know you asked about Justin Puente, um, but I, but just about the team itself with the game, they have to be competitive. Anything, any two, three score type of loss is going to be in, incredibly discouraging. And, and any loss is going to be discouraging. But if they come out of the gates and, and uh, you know, you know what in the bed, like it, it's, it's not going to be pretty for him. The fan base is going to turn on him even more. It, it, it just won't be a pretty scene if, if this isn't a close game. And I think it will be a close game. And not to go on a tangent about that, but – but, but I, I think Virginia Tech is in that position where, you know, they have to make a statement finally on national TV. They, they have failed for so long. Uh, I don't even, I mean, Wake Forest was ranked when they came in here in 2019, and that's the only ranked home win they've had in the last 10 years. So, which was kind of the, the end of the prime of the Beamer era, 2011. And this is one they just got to have. It, it's so big. For momentum of the program it's so big for the fan base it's so big for justin fuente it's so big for the players and it's so big for college football as well because north carolina's looked as a godsend looked like a godsend uh, across college football as a whole so I, I i think it's huge i think it's huge i think justin fuente knows it and i think you know he's got to treat it like any other game but he, he knows deep down inside how, how big this game is for virginia tech and and the acc and and all the above. So I, I think that definitely has weight on him, but I think he's just ready to go out there and, and show the country that, that Virginia Tech is, is not where a lot of people think they are. All right, man, thanks for that. Uh, I really found it interesting how you brought up his past con uh, press conferences and how you've never seen him so confident. So um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to hear. All right, let's wrap up and let's get some quick game predictions in. Uh, Wyatt and Lucas did theirs. Uh, Carter, I want to start with you. Basic score, uh, so we can get the gist. I know you've already talked about how it's been a close game, but I kind of want to just get your final line on it. Yeah, I think this is a game Virginia Tech can definitely win. I think it's one that it's very winnable if if they play if they play well up front and they get after Sam Howell. I think they actually will win the game if they do that. It's hard for me to pick against North Carolina right now, just because of the program momentum. 
just because of, you know, they, they have a Heisman contender at quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence came in here last year, but when's the last time you know, a true Heisman contender has come in front of a pack lane stadium and, and played against the Hokies? That, that hasn't happened probably in quite some time, maybe Ohio State back in 2015, maybe missing one here or there. But yeah, I, I got to go North Carolina. I, I just think the depth is so much better than Virginia Tech's. I know that, you know, won't have a direct effect in the game at the start, but I mean, I, I like Virginia Tech starters. I think both team starters are pretty close talent-wise. I think, I think if you just look at the pure stuff, at the, at the pure starters for both teams, they're, they're pretty close to even North Carolina, maybe a, a little bit better just because of the quarterback depth wise, Virginia Tech isn't even close. I think North Carolina is going to come out. I think they maybe will make a statement early. I think Virginia Tech's going to punch back. I think Virginia Tech's actually going to lead most of the game. And then I think they're going to make a costly play towards the end of the game. They're an interception, fumble the ball, uh, you know, blown coverage, something of that effect. And North Carolina is going to take advantage. And I think they're going to win the game late. Can I get a final score from you? Oh, I'm sorry. 31 to 27, North Carolina. All right, Colby, I'll throw it over to you. All right. Well, actually, a lot of what we talked about as well. Um, and I'm really, to even talk about the sound, really happy that you were able to be on Carter. Um, I'm really happy that we're able to do these types of things and thank uh, the people that were able to record before us. Um, what we actually talked about uh, here today, Carter, is something that I actually have really had on my mind for a while. Um, what we specifically talked about with the positional talent for UNC, the fact that it's basically a whole new slate of uh, UN, like UNC uh, positional players for Sam Howell uh, is going to be rough, I think, for week one. Not that, you know, they haven't had time together. It's just more the sense of this is big. This is a big game. It's a nationally televised game in a fully packed lane stadium. They've, they announced like what Tuesday this week that we are completely sold out. Um, so you're going to have a fully packed lane that is hyped and ready to go. Uh, you'll, you'll have that obviously full swing, I think for Virginia tech, uh, obviously I mentioned the talent, um, as you've seen from Dax Hollyfield, um, maybe even kind of voicing the locker room's view here that UNC is becoming this huge rival for them. And they obviously have to chip on their shoulder from the game from last year. Uh, and one thing that I think is kind of huge specifically here is um, loss of someone uh, on the defensive side for UNC, Chaz Surratt. He's someone that I remember when watching the game last year was huge for UNC. He was their leading tackler. Uh, if I remember right. And on top of that, he was someone that was able to kind of read the game, unlike other linebackers that you'll always see, because uh, if I remember exactly what the commentator said, they said during that game that he was a former quarterback. So being able to have that perspective and have that type of linebacker, I personally, I think is huge for defense. Um, and losing that type of guy, I think is also going to be in uh, that type of leader is going to be a way bigger loss than I think a lot of people will expect. And I see this maybe even be like being a little bit more of a lower scoring game than you'll expect. I think you're going to have some nerves. Um, and I think just, you know, you don't really have that, um, those, that offensive firepower for both sides. And obviously with the beacon week one, I think there might be some mistakes here and there. 
So I feel like this game, though on paper, since they're ranked, you feel like it's something with UNC. I I think that this game has a possibility to go to overtime. However, I think all in all, Virginia Tech wins this game. And this isn't me being a homer. This isn't me being pure Virginia Tech or anything like that. I genuinely think this game's going to go Virginia Tech. They have huge guys on the uh, positional for offense and with that chip on the shoulder and everything else. It's just, I think there's a lot more swinging in Virginia Tech's favor than people are willing to acknowledge. And I'm going to say that it's going to be 24 to 20 Virginia Tech. Yeah, I don't blame you for making that prediction, Kilbjorn. Um, I don't think you're a homer. I do think this game does end up competitive. I don't know if the score ends up reflecting that, though. I do think this can come out to end up being a two-score game. Um, I, I've seen the last two games that uh, Mac Brown has coached against Virginia Tech uh, at UNC, and they've both been very high-scoring, and I honestly expect another one just like I expect the fireworks show. Um, but I, I, I do expect there to be just a clear difference in talent. And like, um, like Carter mentioned, the depth plays a big factor into that. So I, I guess if I had to give a final score prediction, I could see this game going uh, UNC 45, Virginia Tech uh, around 35. I don't, I don't know, somewhere along those lines. Uh, a 10-point game, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's where I'm at. I, I think UNC does pull out on top. I do think it is competitive. I just think that there comes a time where UNC makes it a two-score game late and Virginia Tech isn't able to capitalize and come back from that. So, uh, with that being said, I want to thank Carter Hill for coming on with us today. Goldburn, obviously, I want to thank you for being here with me as well. And then I want to thank Wyatt Krieger and uh, Lucas Tomei, uh, Lucas Tomei from the Daily Tar Hill at North Carolina. I want to thank him for coming on and talking UNC with us and just for all of it. Great job uh, by them. And it was great to put on this little football preview. We want to get the, more of these out to you guys later uh, in the season uh, for other big matchups featuring Virginia Tech and other schools. So for Kobe and Bergstrom, for Wyatt Krieger, for Carter Hill, and for Lucas Tomei, I'm Dan Steinbach. I want to thank you all so much for listening to the 3304 Sports Podcast. Have a great day and take care.